faith. Lord, how good it is to let our voice proclaim you are holy, to let our ears hear it. Lord, I don't know what kind of week it's been for everybody. You do. But I pray that we are refreshed and strengthened, if in nothing else, to have the opportunity to gather with your people and say, you are holy. And you are. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray this. Amen. You might remember uh, back about the beginning of the year, I took a trip to, to New York City. And I came back and I told you about, oh man, you can just find a store for everything in New York City. You can find anything, you can buy anything. New York City has it all. Now there was a store there that I saw that, that I didn't tell you about when I got back because I wanted to save it for tonight. As a matter of fact, I've done a little research on this store and actually found an article, a story about this store in New York City. I'll tell you what I'll do, I'll just read the story to you, okay? There is a store that sells husbands that has just opened in New York City. This is the real deal. Uh, where a woman may go to choose a husband. Among the instructions at the entrance is a description of how the store operates. You may visit this store only once. Now, I don't know how they monitor that, but if you go, you better make it count. Um, there are six floors and the attributes of the men increase as the shopper ascends in flights. So I guess the, the higher you go up, the, the better the husband you get. At least that's how I understand. I didn't go in. Uh, there is, however, a catch. You may choose any man from a particular floor or you may choose to go up a floor, but you cannot go back down except to exit the building. So a woman goes to the husband's store. The article is about this woman who goes to this store to find a husband. On the first floor, the sign on the door reads, These men have jobs and love the Lord. That's a pretty good start right there on the first floor. The second floor sign reads, These men have jobs, love the Lord, and love kids. The third floor sign reads, These men have jobs, love the Lord, love kids, and are extremely good looking. Wow, she thinks. But she feels compelled to keep going. She goes to the fourth floor and the sign reads, These men have jobs, love the Lord, love kids, are drop-dead good-looking, and help with the housework. And this is the fourth floor. Oh, mercy me. I think she thinks that's about it right there. She exclaims, I can hardly stand it. Still, she goes to the fifth floor. The sign reads, These men have jobs, love the Lord, love kids, are drop-dead gorgeous, help with housework, and have a strong romantic streak. She's tempted to stay, but she goes to the sixth floor. And the sign reads, You are visitor 4,363,012 to this floor. There are no men on this floor. This floor exists solely as proof that women are impossible to please. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for shopping at the husband's store. Watch your step as you exit the building. Have a nice day. If you came here tonight looking for a description of the perfect husband, uh, I won't be giving that to you because that person doesn't exist. But, but ladies, take courage. The Lord has a plan nonetheless. We're going to continue tonight in our series 
on the family, which is, of course, inside of our series on Ephesians. Last week, we got a picture of the role of the woman in the marriage. And tonight, we're going to look at the role of the man. Would you turn there with me tonight to Ephesians chapter 5? Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, I hope you'll grab one there in front of you in the pew and read along with us. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to begin in verse 23 and then jump to verse 25. Ephesians 5 verse 23. It says, For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And then verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as also Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her in the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, last week, as we studied the role of the woman, you know, you remember that the key word in that picture was the word submission. And we define submission a lot of different ways, positively and negatively. We might think of words like obey or follow. We might even think of words like conquered, uh, you know, lost. We might use words like that, and I think that's part of the problem we have with that word submission is we kind of assume, well, if that's the woman's role, then the man's role must be just the opposite of submission. Well, what's the opposite of those words? In control, in charge, the victor, the winner, the conqueror. But let me ask you a question. Is that what we just read? Is that what we just read in Ephesians chapter 5, that the man's role is to conquer, the man's role is to to be the one who's always right? I think there's two key words. If if our key word for the woman is submission, I think the key word or the two key words for the man is loving leader. Now, you know what the problem with that is, men? It's not in our nature to do either one of those very well. I've got some scriptural background for that statement in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It says, she, referring to Eve, she took some of its fruit and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was what? With her. Isn't it kind of funny how you read Bible stories, maybe even we read them as a child, and you kind of get it in your mind how you see that story, and then no matter how many times you read that story the rest of your life, you will miss details that don't fit into how you imagined it. For instance, I always imagined Eve by herself. I always imagined that she was being lured and tempted by herself, but actually what the Scripture says is that Adam was with her the entire time. Another passage that we look at, Genesis 3.16, we looked at this last week. It says, your desire will be for your husband and he will dominate you. Now, men, if we don't choose to overcome our nature, then our leadership has a tendency to either take on characteristics of dominance or absence. We, we don't show up as a leader. And that's what we just saw in Genesis 3.6. What was Adam doing? He was standing there right with her. Eve's being lured into sin. She's falling into sin. And Adam's with her the whole time. Why doesn't Adam say, hey, Eve, I think God said something about this. Hey, Eve, why don't we pray about this? Why don't we go and ask the Lord? Let's just ask him why he said no. 
to this tree. Hey, let's go ask who this, this guy is, this snake. Let's go talk to the Lord. Nothing. He's absolutely silent. He is absent in his leadership. You know, quite often, men, I think we have a tendency to lead on absolutely insignificant issues in the home. And then we're silent when it really counts. You see, we're not, it's not our nature to lovingly lead. On one hand, it's our nature to be absent. On the other hand, it's our nature to use that position in the home as the, as the stronger one to defeat, to conquer, to use our leadership for selfish reasons. We talked about that last week when we looked at Genesis 3.16 and we saw how sin affected the marriage and we saw that the woman will now compete for the man's position and the, and the husband will dominate. He'll fight. He'll conquer. He'll want to rule for his own selfish gain. God didn't give us leadership for our own selfish gain. We lead in making godly decisions. We lead in creating an environment in which the entire family can know and serve the Lord. I mentioned that last week. You know, I want everybody in my family to know the Lord, to serve Him, to know His blessing. Well, in order for them to know that, they have to obey the Lord, don't they? Well, my wife has this command on her life to submit to me. As the leader, as the one who's going to step out first, I want to create an environment where it is easier. It's not easy. It's not easy to submit. But I want to create an environment where it is easier to submit. My children have a command on their life to respect and to obey. I want to create an environment where it's easier to do that respecting and to do that obeying. That's what our leadership is to look like. Now, I hear men sometimes say, you know, my wife actually is, well, she's stronger than me. I, she just has a, a greater depth with the Lord, a greater knowledge in Scripture. Maybe she's stronger in, in being an outward servant of the Lord. You know what? That's okay. The command to submit and the command to lead is not to imply that in all marriages, for all times, the man will be more mature, the man will be smarter, the man will be better in his walk with the Lord. That's not what these commands are implying at all. I know couples where the woman is stronger in the Lord. She has a stronger relationship. I'm not saying the man had a weaker relationship or a bad relationship. She's just stronger. You know what? She submitted because she chose. She chose to obey. The husband led because he chose to lead. Obedience is a choice, not an issue of our character or where either one of us is in our growth and walk with the Lord. So, man, knowing that it's not in our nature to lovingly lead, what do we need to do? Well, we need to get the right picture in front of us. Isn't that what we've been saying the last couple of weeks? And that's exactly what God does in this passage. He puts a picture in front of us. And you want to talk about challenging. I said last week, now it may sound tough to submit, but look, men, at what we've got here. The picture for you and I is Jesus Christ Himself. That's our picture in how we lovingly lead our wives. I believe this passage gives us three ideas, three angles on what that loving leadership looks like. First of all, I think in this passage we see that loving leadership, Jesus shows us a loving leadership that is sacrificial. Look there in verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. You know, it's interesting. When we think about Jesus 
loving is one of the words that's going to come to our mind. We think of Jesus as a loving character. Okay, so I open up the Gospels and I can get an idea of what kind of husband I'm to be. I can see Jesus touching and healing and listening. He's compassionate. He's kind. He's gentle. He serves. He meets needs. Man, what a great picture of love. But what's interesting about this passage is that when God says, now men, here's the picture you're to be looking at, He's not really pointing in general to the life of Christ. He's pointing to the cross. The the, the picture of Christ on the cross. That is what we are to look at, men, when we think about how we love our wives. Now, that's a hard picture. Man, you look at a picture like that, you think, man, that must be some wife. I mean, to die for her, to pay that kind of price, to go through that kind of suffering, boy, she must be the best wife ever! But was she? You know who the wife is, don't you? It's you and me. Was she the knockout wife of all time? No, actually what Scripture says in Romans 5.8 is that God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were sinners, that's when He did that. It was while I was sinning. You know what the Old Testament often calls our unfaithfulness to God? Adultery. It was while, it was right in the midst of adultery that He showed that love. And men, that's the love. That's the picture. I mean, that's it. You know, we've been talking about pictures all these last couple of weeks. That is the picture that we are to look at no matter where our wife is. Now, ladies, you will stand before God for how you relate to your husband. You'll stand before God if you related him and how Scripture designed for you to relate with him. But husbands, you need to understand something. Whether your wife is being what she's supposed to be, doing what she's supposed to do, that's still the picture for how you love. Now let's think for a moment about the questions that picture right there answers. How far do I have to go in serving my wife? That far right there. Well, no, I I mean, okay, let me rephrase the question. I mean, how much do I have to put up with? Well, you'd, you'd have to put up with that much right there. No, no, seriously, really. I mean, there's always a place. You know, there's a place where enough is enough is enough is enough. When, when can you quit? When is it enough? Well, I, I guess it would be somewhere beyond that. You see, when we say, men, love your wives as Christ loved the church, that's not just a love her a lot. No, that's supposed to answer some very specific questions in our lives. And what's Christ doing there? He's meeting a need, isn't He? You and I had a need. We were dead. We had a need. We had no access to God. So He went to the cross and He met that need. He provided access to God. He provided forgiveness of our sins. He provided life. He met our needs. Man, how did you do this past week at meeting the needs of your wife? Now, I dare say that maybe more than two or three of us might hear that question and go, I'm not even sure what my wife's needs are. Well, if you don't know what they are, there's a good chance that's not comparable to what you did this past week. 
You have to know what they are to meet them. Your wife has needs, generally speaking, as a woman. She has needs as an individual. She has spiritual needs, physical needs, emotional needs. Did you know your wife had all those needs this past week? What did you do to serve them? You know, I guess maybe a a way to kind of sum up this point is to say this ought to be our goal. I will strive to make my efforts in serving and meeting the needs of my wife be comparable to Christ's efforts on the cross. Now, you know what I hear that? I think, oh, my, that's, that's impossible. You can't do that. No. No, it's, it's not impossible. As a matter of fact, I'm not aware of a single command in this book that is impossible. God doesn't ask us to do things that are impossible to do. It is very possible that we love our wife like that. If we don't, it's because we chose not to. So Jesus' loving leadership shows us a love that is sacrificial. The second thing that Jesus' loving leadership does is show us a love that bestows value. Look at verses 26 and 27. These are two interesting verses. As a matter of fact, when you think about them as being some kind of guide to how we love our wife, you might read this and go, huh? I mean, you got all these words here. I mean, make her holy, cleansing, washing, presenting in splendor without spot or wrinkle, holy and blameless. Gosh, that sounds like a lot. I mean, I know what Christ is doing there. I, I know how He did that for me. But how does this relate to how I love my wife? You know, if I could boil these two verses down, and these are verses deep with a lot of theology, but if I could boil them down to a real simple point... What Jesus did here was make us pretty because we weren't pretty. As a matter of fact, Scripture uses words like we were dirty, we were filthy, we were rotting in death and sin. We had no value. But because of His loving leadership, He bestowed value on me so that now when I go and stand before God, that's how I'm seen. God's not overlooking sin. God's not pretending it never happened. The blood of Christ does this in my life. Makes me holy and blameless. Gives me splendor. By splendor, that's way beyond beauty, isn't it? Now, how do I do that for my wife? Well, does my love bestow value on my wife? You know, a real simple question here. I mean, probably the simplest way to explain it is, do my words and my actions build up my wife? Do they encourage my wife? Or do they tear her down and leave her feeling needy? You know, I hear, or I've heard a number of occasions, husbands will say to me, you know, when we're talking about this kind of issue, they'll say, you know, my wife is, uh, she's mean. She's mean, she's grouchy, she's nitpicky. She has become ugly inside and out. I said, oh my gosh. Why'd you marry her? And they look at me like I'm stupid. And you know, it's the same same response every time. Well, she wasn't like that when I married her. And I always give the same response. Wow. So living with you for 13 years did that to her? And they get this kind of foggy look on their face. Now, ladies, I don't mean to imply that you're some kind of like wet noodle that just conforms to whatever we do or we don't do. But I'll tell you something. I do think there's a general principle inside the home. 
Men are a thermostat. Wives are a thermometer. You know what being a leader, man, leader means, men? It means we set the environment. And you know what? Most of the time you can look at the woman and you can read the environment that has been set in that home. You want a beauty? Treat her like a beauty. You want a treasure? Treat her like a treasure. That's what Jesus did. He bestowed value. You and I, husbands, are to bestow value on our wives. Lastly, Jesus shows us a loving leadership that loves her as himself. You know, a good question here is, do I love my wife the way I want to love her or the way she wants to love her? Now, the, the passage says there, it says, men, I want you to love your wife like your own body. Now, what does that mean? What does that actually look like? Okay, well, I've got a, an illustration here, hopefully to give us a little bit of a, a picture. My wife's body wants this. I don't want this. Does this look good on me? I don't want this. Now, my wife's body wants this. So she comes home one day. Look what I got. It's a need. I got it on sale. It's $50. $50? Honey, that sounds like a lot right now. I mean, start a school, a lot of different things, a lot of different bills. I don't think we can do this right now. She's loving. She submits. She takes it back to the store. Three days later... Ha! I come in with this, forty nine ninety nine. Amen. This now this is a need. My body has this need. Hunting season starting soon. Under Armour. Under Armour is kind of cool. It's cool. If I look good in this, see this is a need. Now when it's my need, I figure out how to make it happen. Now let me tell you what I'm not doing here, by the way. I'm not giving a financial illustration. Okay, this isn't about finances in the home. I'm not saying, men, if you're going to buy something for yourself, go buy something for her first. might be a good principle, but it also might get you bankrupt. Okay, this is not a financial illustration. Jesus says, listen, I want you to love her like you love your own body. Well, when my body wants something, and not just things, food, water, rest, entertainment... Clothing. When my body wants something, my body knows how to go about getting that need met. Well, Paul's saying, listen, here's what I want you to do. When your wife's body has a need, you treat her need as if it was your need. That's never going to be my need. But I know what it means to fulfill my need. So Paul says, you go fulfill her need as if it was your need. Now, here's where it really gets bad, guys. Because now I'm going to go back to the first principle. Jesus' leadership shows us a love that what? Sacrifices. That means if my wife has a need and I have a need and they can't both be met, one need gets met. That's tough, isn't it? Do you all see that in the Scripture there? Isn't it a shame that so many people in the world today think that submission makes us Neanderthals? And that the Scripture degrades women? Do you see what God is calling a man to? Leadership is not about being right or beating our chest or it's our way or the highway. We lead in serving our mate. 
We lead in sacrificing. We lead in steering the relationship and steering the home to godly decision making. We lead in setting a pace for serving the Lord. That's what leadership looks like. In the picture is Christ. Open up the Gospels. Read them. Where do you see Jesus using His leadership? And He is a leader. He's like leader of all leaders, king of all kings, lord of all lords. Where do you see Him using His leadership to say, hey, it's my way or the highway? Now, He actually has a right to say that, doesn't He? But is that how He uses His leadership? Does He use His leadership to serve His own needs? No. His leadership. His authority, His power, His position is used to serve the benefit of others. Man, that's the picture God has put slap in front of us and said, that's what being a husband looks like. We can set our sights no less. Let's pray. Lord, as I look at these pictures in Scripture, I'm so thankful for Ephesians 5.18. I am thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit because it's not in us to really obey these. But God, while it might not be in us, may we stop making excuses. And may we realize not only have you guided, not only have you given direction, not only have you put the picture in front of us, but you have empowered us with the Holy Spirit. We can show this kind of loving leadership as men. We can submit as wives. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture of of how a man and a woman break the cycle of sin in marriage. How a man and a woman discover intimacy. Oh, what if? What if we really were living like this in our marriage? What a picture to place before our children. What a picture to show society of what Jesus Christ can do. Oh Lord, may it be so in our marriages. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.